previously on Film Code. Guys were unable to keep the streak going as they were stumped by Nick's code work. Um, I'm going to go with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is not a musical. Taking my shot in the dark, that's what I'm going with. It's wrong. What was the year again? 1990 to 1999. Willy Wonka came out years before that. All right, well, <laughs> that just goes to show you. I don't know how Wonder fits into this, but so, and that is South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. <laughs> the director, <laughs> Trey Parker, is in the movie. What? He does the one of the voices. It is what a musical. What are you talking about? I love, I love South Park, so I, that was the only what thing I could find. What are you so, talking about? I, I hope it's right. It'd be great. <laughs> so, Brandon, what do you got? I was going to hope to bounce off your answer, but damn. <laughs> the movie is That Thing You Do. Oh, wow. I saw that, too. came out in 1996. <laughs> the code word wonder came from the band who is called The Wonders, mm. who also had a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Tom Hanks directed it. He was also in it. And because it is a band, they're singing... It's a musical. Will they have better luck this week as Nathan comes with a brand new code word? Please help me okay. out. Thank you. <laughs> so Nathan's code word this week was family. Uh, it was a movie from 2014 to 2019. Uh, and it starred an actor who had appeared in both the DCEU and the MCU and was uh, had appeared on The Office. Plus, the guys review the new Netflix original movie, The Boys in the Band, and discuss Best Picture winners' Oscar-defining moments. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now Film Code. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Film Code, episode 23. And the only reason I know that is because Nathan told me before the show. So, <laughs> uh, we are back once again, and we have a very exciting episode because it is one-on-one -on -one again. Me and Nathan return for another one-on-one -on -one episode. I'm so excited for it. Nathan, how are you, man? I'm great, Phoenix. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us. It is... November at the time of this recording, it's, which means it's November when you're listening. Uh, that's how time works. So yeah, just uh, past Halloween, looking forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas and hopefully some better 2020 movies. Oh, no kidding. Speaking of Halloween, Halloween was yesterday when we're recording this. Uh, so I'm finishing off the last of my uh, Oktoberfest yingling. That's what you'll, that's what I'm drinking today. So mm. Mm. Love it. Way to way to stay in spirit. Right, right. But it is November first, so you know what that means, right? What what does that mean? Time for some Christmas music, baby. Yes. <laughs> I I already played it this morning on my way to get my coffee, so we're all good <laughs> on the same page. I'm I'm glad we're on the same page on that oh, for, yeah. because you know we've been on the same page a lot more lately. I know, right? I think we're starting to sync up. It's weird. <laughs> it must have been it must have been the meetup we did. Right, right. <laughs> It's getting close to the holidays. It's like, all right, yeah, let's stop fighting. 
<laughs> but we'll see how long that lasts because today we are talking about a Netflix movie. I would I would say it's an original movie, but I guess it's an adaptation. Um, but it is uh, The Boys in the Band uh, starring, oh God, what is his name? I'm, Jim I'm Parsons. Name. Jim Parsons, thank you. I was like, what show is he on? 70s show, Big Bang Theory? Yeah, Jim Parsons also stars Andrew Rennells and uh, Matt Bomber. Uh, this is a story. I should say that it is produced by Ryan Murphy, so you get an idea of where this is headed. Uh, <laughs> it's about a, a group of uh, gay friends in 1968 New York celebrating a friend's birthday party and uh, what ensues during this birthday party. Um, so let's kick off with first impressions. Nathan, mm-hmm. what were your first impressions uh, by the time you finished The Boys of the Band? Yeah, so um, we'll talk non-spoilers for those of you interested in this movie but don't want to hear about it or maybe you're on the fence and we can convince you to watch or not watch. Um, and then we'll, we'll break the seal and talk spoilers. But um, I guess my first impressions with this was it definitely I, I was aware of Jim Parsons being in it, who I haven't seen him in anything other than The Big Bang Theory. I'm a fan of The Big Bang Theory. I like that show. Um, and he's a fantastic actor for playing Sheldon Cooper, which is a very, very hard character to play. <laughs> um, so I was excited to see him. And I, I'm aware of uh, Zachary Quinto. I'm Zachary not sure if I'm Quinto. saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So not because of Star Trek, but because of the show Heroes. That was like the first TV show I had ever watched. I think I was like mm-hmm. 11 or 12. Um who he's in that show as well. So it was nice to see him again. I would be shocked if anyone, even if you Phoenix knew any of the other cast members, because they're pretty, pretty much no names to be honest. Yeah. I recognized uh, Matt Bomber from some stuff, but I can't remember what exactly he was in. That's okay. about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, um, I mean, this cast, uh, anyways, First impressions, the cast did a good job. I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about Trial of Chicago 7 and how the cast was just phenomenal, perfect. I'm not saying the boys in the band cast was that, mm-hmm. but um, I still think they all did a good job for what they were asked to do. Um, they were all believable. They were all enthusiastic, flamboyant, needed to be emotional when they needed to be. Um, so I was impressed with the cast for sure, especially with Jim Parsons. And here I am. Right now, on November 1st, time of this recording, on Film Code, I am saying Jim Parsons is my new front runner for Best Actor over Delroy Lindo. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Okay. I think think that Jim Parsons, Delroy Uh Lindo was fantastic, and Uh he has been, he's been the front runner since June. Uh Uh-huh. I just think Jim Parsons and what he's asked to do is just tougher. And he, mm. I think he just, I think he nails it. Mm. Well, so much for that honeymoon <laughs> of agreeing with each other. <laughs> that ended quickly. Uh, I'm just talking, I haven't even given my thoughts on the film though. I was just talking about the cast. All right. Uh, please continue. <laughs> sure. I mean, um, I don't, really want to dip into too much um about what i think quite yet but i will say also for one true setting 
um, of the film. I know there's a couple things with the taxi early on and a couple different settings early on. But for a majority of this happening in a New York apartment, um, I think they do a good job of not making the setting stale. Mm. Uh, you know, it can be exhausting watching a whole movie in one setting. Mm. Hatefully, it's a little bit that way. Mm. Um, you know, there are a couple other movies that aren't coming to mind right off the bat that all have one setting. And it can definitely get exhausting. But I think they do a good job of not making it stale, especially by utilizing the apartment, whether it be the outdoor balcony, the living room, the bedroom, the bathroom. First of all, I love that New York apartment. I don't know what the hell that thing costs, especially <laughs> for being in New York. In 1968, I'm sure it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but it was probably super expensive for them. I mean, that, I will say, that apartment was sweet. That's my yeah. one big takeaway from this movie is I want to live in that apartment. Yeah, that apartment was nice. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you save me here, Phoenix? Why don't you take over? Uh, yeah. So as far as first impressions go, um, okay, like like you mentioned the cast, I will give the cast a lot of credit. I think uh, casting wise, this was great, great casting. Um, I wish I could remember his name, but the guy who played Emery, I thought was fantastic. I got it up. It's uh, Robin De Jesus. Yeah, Robin De Jesus. Mary, take me home. These queens are crazy. He was excellent. He was mm -hmm. very, very funny. He really embodied that character. Also, uh, the black guy whose name I also can't remember. I think it was Michael Benjamin something. What was what was his character's name? Oh, Bernard. Bernard yeah, Michael. Yes. Michael Benjamin Wa uh, Washington. Michael Benjamin Washington. He was good. He was really solid. Um, and I, I just loved his inclusion in this. Uh, and I felt like his, those two guys, their, their stories or their backstories, which they eventually get into, I think were uh, pretty well done. And I really enjoyed those. Um, and Matt Barmer, who I, whom I've mentioned several times, uh, is fantastic. Uh, I want to give a lot of credit to Andrew Rennells because I've, no, I've known him mostly as a comedic actor. And I think he does tremendous uh work here as a uh as a dramatic actor he has a monologue towards the end that i think is is superb and i think really just nails his character um and that is where the positives end um wow um yeah i hated this movie <laughs> really i genuinely hated this movie let's I, Let's give some non-spoiler yeah, non reasons why. Non-spoiler uh, uh, reaction. Um, this was so cringe. I like unbelievably cringe. This was like it wasn't. It wasn't the cringe of like say an uncut gems where it's like oh man, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying like like oh I'm like I'm tensing up because I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm like tensing up because I'm like why is this happening? <laughs> like that was the only thing like this movie had no why i was just like i was like i i get what is happening i get who it's happening to i get where it's happening no why like <laughs> no why whatsoever character motivations made no sense i was just completely i won't say Actually, yeah, I think I have to say it. I was completely bored with wow. this movie. I think it it's like, it was one of those where I was like, um, I get it. And at the same time, I'm like, 
I don't care. <laughs> that that's where I was at with it. So while I do think some people stood out uh, personally, I think Jim Parsons was terrible. I wow. think no, come I, on. I genuinely think he was terrible. I thought come his character on. was terrible. I thought his performance was terrible. I was not in it into it at all. No, he he was weak sauce to me. <laughs> like like humongous weak sauce. No, uh, he might he yeah no I couldn't I could not care for his character at all. I'll tell you more why when we dive into spoilers, but uh, I, no I I had no feeling for this movie as of right now. I haven't ranked it yet, but it is just above Artemis Fowl for me. Stop! No, <laughs> there's no way. Yeah, yeah. No yeah, way. This movie is that bad. So that's. that's you know no yeah no that movie <laughs> oh my goodness okay well for the crowd out there that has interest in this movie that hasn't necessarily watched it yet maybe i will bring you back to earth a little bit here um i think this movie was more of a mixed bag for me mm-hmm. there were definitely some parts that i enjoyed and whereas you say you were cringing at some things uh during these tense awkward moments because this movie definitely has a handful of those. Um, I enjoyed those aspects because I thought they were done really well. There was a time where, you know, I was watching and it was like, this is so awkward. This is so weird. And I'm sitting on my couch watching it. Uh, and I think anytime a movie does that, they do it extremely well. You know, it's not necessarily secondhand embarrassment where you're like, oh God, I can't see it. I, this is so embarrassing. Let me look away. It was just kind of like, well, what's going to happen next? gonna happen next what's that character gonna do and i thought they did a good job at that whereas you didn't enjoy it i think they built it up well Uh, Um, hold on can i can i respond to that real quick uh yeah so those moments they did happen and i feel like they happened way too often and way too frequently like one right after the other and that's what i meant by there was no why here like i'm like at, at, at any point in time during this i'm like I would have left, like, make no mistake. Like, I think any sane person would have been like, deuces, I'm out. And I just, I couldn't get with the frequency in which these moments, these awkward, uncomfortable, tense moments were happening. That 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 to me is what really threw it off. I think pacing wise, it was just, it was all over the place. I couldn't care for it. Okay. Well. You could touch on a couple of things that I also want to touch on non-spoiler wise. I think the pacing is pretty awful. Um, <laughs> I think that might be the second worst thing about this movie, in, in my opinion, is the pacing's terrible. I think that you do have those tense moments early on um, with a couple things that we will get into when we break the seal here in a minute um, that I think were great. And I was like, wow, give me more. And there were times where I would literally you know, like click up on my remote for Netflix and it would say I was only 50 minutes into it. And I'd be like, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I could have sworn I was 90 minutes in. (laughs) And I think that a lot of that has to do with just the subject as far as what they're, or not the subject, but the plot is what Mm. they're doing. You know, I guess this is a drama, but it's really a comedy and they're just talking 
that's all this movie is is talking and talking and more talking and more talking so i'm fine with that like i don't need to have things blowing up and giant mm-hmm. turns and killing like to for it to be a good movie obviously but at the end of the day like all that talking and talking and talking and talking you have to be emotionally invested and i don't think they do a very good job of keeping the audience emotionally invested through two hours of just talking mm. and you know i, I want to compare this to what it is it's a play right mm-hmm it originated as a play. It is a successful hit play. And what do you do during plays, right? During plays, it's mostly talking. You know, there's no CGI, obviously. There's hardly any stunt work. You know, I guarantee you almost every play you've seen or most popular plays are mostly talking because you're so limited with what you can do on stage in front of a live audience. You're just limited. Um, and I can see why this would be successful as a play in that regard. But as a movie, it's just so hard to keep your audience invested. And like I said, I'm not expecting boys in the band to have explosions. I'm not expecting right. there to be guns and knives and <laughs> this killing spree. Mm-hmm. I can handle talking movies. You know, it's just that with what they're trying to go for, it's just so difficult to stay invested during two hours of just watching characters have conversations. Yeah. You know what? We're right back on track. <laughs> uh, the, the pacing and just like you, you nailed it. And, and I love that you brought up that it was a, a play because I feel like this movie is literally taking what was done in the play and putting it on screen. And I want to be clear to anyone who does this, never do this. This is such a bad tactic. It is it is the wrong way to go because there are things that work. And the reason that they work is because they were on stage, right? But when you translate that to screen, it doesn't work the same way because you don't have that same environment to play in. Long monologues work on stage. Yes, because, absolutely. Right. Because, you know what I'm saying, we're, we're, it's literally just us and them. You know what I'm saying? When you're on stage, everything feels isolating. You can have that, you know, deep, long monologue. That's everything's, everything's in front of you as the right. audience. Right. There's not camera cuts and, right. and you know, quick zoom-ins mm-hmm. to characters' expressions and things yeah. like that. You, you, you know, there's more, there's more room, actually, in a, in a, in a screen adaptation. So when yeah. you do things like that, it's like, it's so bad. It just pulls you out of the film immediately. And they had so many of these that I think they had like seven, like each character had one. I think two characters had like three. I'm like, there's way too many of these, like way, way, way too many. And it's just, it was like, it was bogged down. Like, and I get it, like you said, I don't need explosions. I don't need a gunfight. You know what I'm saying? None of that. However, if someone would have died, it really would have ratcheted this movie up a lot. <laughs> like they really could have used a murder mystery somewhere in this that really would have just transformed the movie. Uh, I think it was funny what you said about, you know, checking the time and you're like, I'm only 50 minutes in. Like I did that and I was like, wait, I'm an hour in? I was like, the story hasn't even started yet. Like. I'm an hour in, I was like, dude, 
it, at the pacing wise, a nightmare. It was a nightmare. <laughs> and just the way they did things, I, I, I can't get with it. So back to some positivity, at least on my end. I did like the performances. I am going to stand by and slam my fist down. I do think Jim Parsons has mm-hmm. been the best performance I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to hear more about that. Um, when we break the seal, I guess I keep saying that and we <laughs> don't, but um, just one last positive thing is I just, I think that first hour, or I guess, let me rephrase. I think that first like 45 minutes where you're still trying to put pieces together while they're waiting for a certain character to mm-hmm. come into the fold when they are trying to analyze a certain situation that is in question, you're looking for an answer to something relatively big. Um, I think that's when this movie is at its best. I think that first, uh, this is so like weird to phrase, but not the first 10 minutes where everything's still like exposition, exposition, exposition. Mm -hmm. So like after the first 10 minutes, up until maybe like the 50 minute mark. So maybe like that 40 minute window, that 30 minute window. I think that's when it's at its best. When people are arriving to this party, when you're introducing some of these new characters and when we're kind of just learning what's going on, but there's Mm -hmm. still a little hint of mystery in there. That's when I personally really enjoyed this movie. And um, I'm going to break the seal right here. We're talking spoilers now for boys in the band. If you do not want to listen to spoilers, please skip ahead. Please pause, watch it, come back and listen to what we have to say. But here it is, talking spoilers right now. Oh, and you, Donald, you think it's just nifty how I've always flitted from Beverly Hills to Rome to Amsterdam. I'm here to tell you, the only place that I've ever been happy was on the goddamn plane. Run, charge, run, buy, borrow, make, spend, run, squander, run, beg, run, 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 waste, waste waste and why who's coming same old tired fairies you've seen around since day one this is gonna be fun This old college friend of mine is in town, but he's straight, so... Do you really think he doesn't know about you? Emery, no! I couldn't care less what people do, as long as they don't do it in public. No, it's the delivery boy from the bakery. Ask him if he's got any hot cross buns! (laughs) Where the hell could Harold be? Happy birthday. You're late. Oh, Michael, you kill me. When he's sober, he's dangerous. When he drinks, he's lethal. That's your surprise. Hey, everybody. Game time. We all have to call the one person we truly believe we have loved. My God, Michael, you're a charming host. Who makes the first call? If you make the call, you get one point. I'm not playing. Who'd you call, Hank? Would you call me? If the person answers, you get two more points. I just wanted to tell him that, to tell him that I, I love him. If you tell them that you love them, you get a bonus. Who are you going to call, Alan? You ended the friendship because you couldn't face the truth about yourself. I'm sorry. I love you. Hank, why did you do that? 
because I do love him, and I don't care who knows it. I'm warning you. Are you now? I'm the one person you don't warn, Michael. Because you and I are a match. If we could just not hate ourselves so much. Oh, there's nothing quite as good as feeling sorry for yourself, is there? Nothing. Mary, take me home. These queens are crazy. Um, I think with Alan's character, right, that mm. whole crying on the phone, you know, just he was such a mystery. And then he shows up at the party, and that right there was awkward. It was tense. It's like, mm. what is going on? And, of course, um, Michael and his friends are trying to hide the fact that they're gay. And I think that that whole stretch of time was great. Like, great. I don't think I'm overstating that. I loved that. I loved that it was tense. It was perfectly uh, uncomfortable. You had, obviously, some friends at the party did not care that if Alan knew that they were gay and they were trying to push the envelope. You had him talking to, gosh, what was his name? Um, uh, the older guy. Hank? Hank, yes. You had Larry kind of like pushing Hank and Hank giving off this very, you know, heterosexual vibe. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed it. And you're still wondering what was Alan crying about on the phone? Why is he being so weird? Michael trying to cover everyone up. And then, um, geez, I'm so glad I have these names up because there's too many names. <laughs> uh, you know, Emery just not being able to, to shelter himself mm -hmm. um and i thought that was great they go up and they talk in michael's bedroom him and alan and you see that alan is you know afraid uncomfortable um i don't know what the other words are that i'm looking for around you know uh homosexuals so i thought that stuff was great I thought that, that stuff was great. And here, uh, I want to let you touch on that before I transition. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Uh, definitely not the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it's really just needless exposition, which I guess you need when you have a ensemble. You know what I'm saying? You got to yeah. introduce every uh, element of that and introduce character traits. So I get that. Um, but watching, watching characters shower and get dressed is... It's not necessarily not something necessary. I need. Yeah, that that I don't need. But um, yeah, like uh, all of that, that mystery that's set up with Alan, I think is fantastic. I think he brings this un unbelievable amount of tension into the room when he arrives for no reason. Yeah. I think all of that is set up really, really well. I think that was the most engaged I was through this whole movie. And then it's just pissed away. <laughs> it's completely pissed away. Like the mysteries never solved. You know, I mean, it could be something as basic as he was just upset because his wife was leaving. I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, you know, it's just, it, it obviously feels like it should be deeper than that. And it isn't. Um, yeah, like, and 
one thing that really pissed me off, I did love uh, Robin DeJesus' character of Emery, mm-hmm. but I'm like, okay, look, you cannot continue to antagonize someone with your homosexuality when you know that it makes them uncomfortable, and then you can't fight. <laughs> okay, like, what are you doing? Like, 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 to me, that was just so unnecessary and annoying. And it just, it just, it, it just, it took everything away from his character that he would just be like, he'd be brash and he'd be in your face and he'd be this colorful and flamboyant and, you know, pur- purposefully, purposefully antagonizing this guy whom he knows, whom he knows is deeply uncomfortable with the whole situation. And and I don't know what was happening in 1968 New York, why homosexuality felt that they needed to hide and and keep in secret and 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 you know not tell people what they were. I don't know what was going on there, why it would needed to be a, such a secret. But if you're gonna be just like you know disregarding that entirely and and you know flam it up, which okay cool, but why would you get in the face of someone who, whom you know, like, is not okay with this? And then you can't fight. Like, to me, it was just like, it was like wanting someone, it was like someone, either writer, producer, director was like, I, I don't know if it was like a need to just make, I guess you want to make him a sympathetic character, but it did not land. It was, it, to me, it looked like, you know, like LGBTQ abuse and that you get off on that. Like, that's what that looked like to me. It was weird. It was like, un, it was like forced uh, victimization. Like, I just didn't understand it. I thought it was weird. It didn't match the rest of the movie. It was just out of place. I, You're saying that, that Alan hit Emery? Yeah. Or is it, okay, yeah, I agree. I agree. That felt so like, you know, us talking, our ta- our dialogue tension is not enough. We need to raise the stakes. Right, that. right. But also I want to talk about too, like with Emery, like I get it. You are who you are. You want to be who you want to be. You don't want to put up this fake wall. I get it. Regardless of the time period, whether it's 2020 or 1968, you are who you are and mm. you want to show yourself. You don't want to be fake. I get it. But when Michael, you're in Michael's house and Michael <laughs> asks you, like, please, please, let's, you know, fake it for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, okay, I, I get it. Maybe Emery's just so comfortable with who he is and he doesn't care who knows it. And that's great. Good for him. But I felt that was a little shallow of him to not respect Michael, his friend's wishes to, like, please. Like, if you're good enough friends with someone and they're like, please. Mm-hmm. please do this for me please and emery just emery couldn't go literally like 30 seconds without like and like i said i get like be who you want to be i'm all for that but it just sent it just seems so lame to me that <laughs> you can't respect your friend's wishes after he pretty much begs you to do something that was funny because before i watched this i i i went on letterbox i checked a few reviews and one person said something that I absolutely agree with by the time I was done watching it. It was, they said, okay, 
I like I get it. Like if we're good friends, you know what I'm saying? I can respect, you know, your wishes and all of that. But they said like these guys, I don't even think they would willingly be in a room with each other. The, just the way that they acted towards each other was so antagonistic. It was like I don't like like I I I think the only reason that they were friends is because they were gay. Like if like yeah. that's it. Like and they really don't have anything in common. Like, and that's what was... I meant. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, like that's what I meant by like all of those tense, awkward moments. I'm like, it was just purposefully antagonizing everyone. Like everyone at every second. Just like being like, oh, you 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 know, you use too much uh face cream or whatever, or you know, oh, you're not. I'd love to get to that in one second because that's my next point, which I'd love to make. But I want to want to talk on, about something you just said um, while you were talking as well. Is going real quick back to Alan as far as we never get the answer about what he was crying mm-hmm. about. <laughs> there are some things where the ambiguity is awesome, mm-hmm. right? Inception, the ending of mm-hmm. Inception, with the the dreidel or whatever that is, you know, that's great. Um, the social network we talked about it did right. he plant the chicken story did he right, not right there are discussion driving questions with ambiguity in movies not this right <laughs> like i don't i don't care enough right. to talk about this we're talking about it now but we're like hating on it mm-hmm. i don't care mm-hmm. i want to know what he's crying about i want to know why he went over there and i want to know why he was being a bitch like i just i want to know the fact that they didn't tell us, it's a, it's it's angering. It is. <laughs> because in this whole two-hour drama-filled, pull-the-rug-out-from-you movie, there was only really one question that I cared about. Right. Why <laughs> is he calling him crying? That's really the only question I care about, and mm-hmm. I didn't get the answer. <laughs> That's frustrating. It is. So there's ambiguity can be good when you do it great, when you derive questions from it. Not that. So when you talked about um, them antagonizing each other, this just goes into my next point, which I'm stunned that you haven't brought up yet, (laughs) is I like Zachary Quinto Mm -hmm. as an actor. Like I mentioned earlier, he was the bad guy in Heroes, which is a show that is very nostalgic for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I hated his character. I hated (laughs) it. I hated him. I I have nothing wrong with Zachary Quinto. Fantastic actor. He did what he was asked. I hated this character. To the moon and back. I wanted to jump into the screen and beat the shit out of him. Um, He was so obnoxious, it hurt. He was so angry, so condescending, such a jerk. Are we talking about the same character? Yes, Harold. Seriously? The guy that it was his birthday? Yeah. He was opening all the... Yes, he was such a dick. What? I I hated everything about this character. I I feel like... I feel like we switched because I'm like I loved Harold Why? and hated Michael. No, I hated no. him. He was so, everything you're saying about Harold is exactly what I was saying about about Michael's character. Super condescending. He was starting most of the fights. He was such a dick. He was like he was forcing people to call these people. Yes, like, we'll get was, into, we'll get into that. I agree. He on was that. such an asshole, and he was just like. And he was he was so inconsiderate of people. And like is 
he disgusted me. I hated him. I'm like, but like, you know how certain characters they 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 make you angry. Like Frank Langello in 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 Trial of Chicago yeah. Seven, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He irritated me to no end, but it was because he was so good at it. You know what I'm saying? He's such a great actor. This guy irritated me because he had no purpose. Like like I get why Frank Langello's character irritated me. He had a purpose. He had a motive. He had a motive. He did not. Michael Michael did not. Michael absolutely did not. And it was insanely frustrating. Like when Zachary Quinto came into the movie, Harold, I was like, thank God there's there's an, someone who can rival this guy. He was such a breath of fresh air. Like dude was obnoxious, I found, rude. See, I, I oh. found everything, <laughs> everything Harold said to be so antagonizing. What? Such a dick. I hated this character. I don't character. understand that. I hated this character. Like literally, he was literally opening his they, presents. Right, but He's literally just... when they they're opening the not even before, not even then before they're opening the presents, he just go like Michael goes on this like ten minute diatribe about like why he's you know mad at him for for caring about his looks for being late you know saying all of this stuff and I'm like. Bro, it's my birthday, bro. Like, shut the hell up. What are you doing? Like, oh God, I hated him. Like, <laughs> no, oh. I, I just, I despised Harold uh. in every single way. And I don't like. I, I get where you're coming from with Michael. I do. Like, there are definitely some things that he does that you're like, why are you looking for fights, right? Right. Why are you doing that? But I think with Harold's character. He was so like entitled for some for no reason. Mm. Like it's your birthday, I get it. But he was so enti- self entitled. He would just sit there and be like, "Oh, little boy, you don't you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I am the pride of New York. I am the pride." It was so obnoxious. <laughs> I hate him. So we're just gonna talk about this forever if if we don't move on. Oh, but God, um, I hated. I will say I, I, I hated Harold, but. I will say Michael definitely was an antagonist quite frequently. And I think this, this transitions into my next point. And again, I get it. It's a play. I get it. It's a remake of another movie. I don't care. We're talking about this movie. We're talking about what it is, what we watched. I don't care what's in the play. I don't care what's in the other movie. We're talking about this. And I hate the, the phone game. I hate it. I think <laughs> that you talk about boring. That was boring. Um, I just didn't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Call the person you love. And I get it. Like, I get love is interesting. I get everyone has a very fascinating first love story. Trust mm-hmm. me, I understand that. I didn't care for this at all. And you said earlier that you love uh, the two characters that go first. I'm pulling mm-hmm. up the names again. Bernard and Emery. Mm-hmm. You loved their stories mm-hmm. um i thought they were boring i thought they were very boring um i don't <laughs> care i don't uh bernard was a, a delivered a good performance mm-hmm. if they did not give bernard this chunk of like phone time dude would not have been dude would have been just a backup dancer right, in the movie right, because right. he had nothing to do nothing to say an occasional joke here and there um but he was 
without this this whole like chunk of phone time for him was the only thing he ever got to do, which which was disappointing because I did like him. Um, but these calls, I didn't care specifically Emery's. Like I will say, Bernard's was a, a tad more intriguing. Um, I don't even remember what Emery's was because I got on my phone because I was like, this is this is very boring right now. So I got on my phone and as soon as Emery stopped talking, I I got back. I put my phone down and watched it again because it was, it was boring. It was, it was very boring. This whole like call your love. And I get it. If that's in the play, which I guarantee it is mm-hmm. fine. Fine. I don't care. I'm talking about what we just watched and I didn't like it. I can guarantee you that that whole phone game was the heart of the play. Like it oh, I guarantee was the, was the heart of the play easily. And personally, if we had, I don't know, uh, earned that moment, earned that game, truly, like in, in the like in the like hour and ten minutes before it, I would have been like, you know what? Okay, you know what I'm saying. I, I would have been invested. I would have cared. Um, you didn't earn it. It was it was such a it was so obvious that it was in the play, so it had to be in the movie. It, it's it's the central core of what this story was and I was like if it like honest to God like that's that's it if they had just earned it if you had earned it in that first hour the payoff that that whole phone game would have made been a true payoff it was not it just wasn't like I did not care for any of these characters at all. I right. didn't care and, for their stories. And, and like and like I said, like Bernard and Emery's I thought were really good, but I think the fact that they came as soon as that phone game started, I was like Exactly. That's we're we're speaking the same language here. It's like, oh shit, Bernard doesn't have anything to say. And of course that's not that's not how you write. This right. isn't how you write movies. <laughs> it's not like you have the whole script and you're like, ah, Bernard has six lines. Right. You know. Of course they read it in, wrote it in, but I feel like up to that point, they were like, wow, Bernard really hasn't done anything, mm-hmm. you know? And Emery, you don't know anything about Emery other than he's extremely flamboyant with who he is. Mm-hmm. So it's like they needed to add depth to these characters. So An hour and 20 minutes in. To yeah, move. so they are <laughs> just throwing exposition at you. And I just, I didn't care for it. I think there were much better ways to do that I will say I think that uh, I think that Hank's story was the best of the three, at least in mm-hmm. my mind. I think it was the most emotionally satisfying yeah. for an audience member, um, and because he also talked about how that affects him today. Mm-hmm. He talks about you know I I wasn't sure. I thought about it the whole flight. I thought about it while I was there, and it just felt so much more, I guess, realistic too. Yeah. And I just think that was handled better, but with Emery's with Bernard's, I just didn't care. And in a movie where there's so much talking and a lot of slow moments, this was easily the most boring part for me were those two, two discussions. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, but at that moment, an hour and 20 minutes in, you cannot be giving me, Two of two of the guys who aren't really the main characters. You can't just now be giving me their backstory. It, yeah. it was it was insufferable. And and also, 
who on their right mind, I don't care drunk or not, why would you do that? I wouldn't do that as a as a straight guy. I wouldn't call call the the person that I loved. I wouldn't do that as a virgin, as someone who has a crush on someone. I would never do that. Again. Also, like, they, were, <laughs> they weren't like you don't win anything. You don't win anything. You get like what? Points, it, fake yeah, points. it's it's not like the winner gets X Y Z. The winner gets to take home anything they want in this room. The winner gets. <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, there should have been some type of prize or something. At least something that's worth. the way I look at it. Like, like wait, at, you want me to do this extremely risky? Like, like at, especially because it, it's not bet, like... A, at least bet the male prostitute, like, anything. <laughs> like, it's not like a, a drinking game where your ultimate goal is to get hammered with your friends. Like, mm-hmm. this is a, like, high stakes, embarrassing, character-driven game. Yeah. Something should be. You should get something out of doing this, no, and maybe it's the the satisfaction of telling that person. But most of the people, like it didn't work out for, except for for Hank and Larry because they were in the same room. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, so just moving along, like um, Donald was a very intriguing character to me mm-hmm. that they did absolutely nothing with. No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> like you have this. This good actor who I don't know, I don't know him. I was impressed with what he was able to do early on mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, but then once the party kind of starts, he, he becomes vanishes. he becomes the background character. You're right. More so than Bernard does. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't make a phone call. <laughs> he doesn't get the only thing he does is fill up Alan's shrinks. That's the only thing he does. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. He of course, we, we got that scene of him and Larry having a hookup in the past. But at that point, I didn't really care about that either because right. that was handled poorly as well. So Donald was an, a character that I wish they did more of and less of Harold. Uh, just to clarify, Bat Bomber has been in Magic Mike. He was also in Flight Plan and he was in The Nice Guys. So <laughs> I don't remember. Him yeah, being in the nice I don't, guys, I don't he doesn't have a long uh, uh, history, only 23 films. But uh, no, And again, none of these guys do except for Jim Parsons, who doesn't even have that big of a film history, obviously, very successful TV history. Mm-hmm. But so I'll give him that. And then obviously Zachary Quinto, Quinto is successful as well. But outside of those two, the whole cast is, is pretty much just getting their start or yeah. getting their their rise, uh, which which I applaud because, of course, would this movie be at least a smidge better if there was all actors we recognize and more talent? Um, I think uh, it would yeah. be a smidge better. I think you'd capture my attention a little bit more. But I do like that for a majority of the cast members, they got guys who are just on the come up right now. I mean, the guy that, that you are raving about, and rightfully so, um, Emery's character, uh, played by Robin de Jesus, who maybe delivers the best performance, not in my mind, but he he is very good. Um, this is his most watched movie, and this movie just came out a couple weeks ago. So, <laughs> you know, he's someone that is going to get, I would I guess, a, a lot of um, a lot of views. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's going to get some calls here in the future about some upcoming roles because uh, of what uh, he was able to yeah. do. I would hope so because I think he went. He he probably went the farthest of of anybody 
and he nailed it. He hit it out of the park. I thought it was fantastic. Um, one other thing that I do, I, I have to bring this up, and, and, and it is a complaint because it's so egregious that oh it, it really takes away from everything. The incessant use of the F word, I mean, like, every character says it. It's, it's like, way too much. Like, is like, and I get it, you know, coming from a, a minority community myself, um, you know, we have words that are offensive, but we use them, you know, amongst oh. each other. Oh, but, okay, okay. Right, but... I thought you meant the F word, like the... You know, and I was like, why? That's such yeah. an odd complaint. Nah. But you, I know what you're talking about now. Yes. The, the other F word. Yes, uh. yes, yes. Apo- <laughs> apologies. Normally, when you hear the F word, you think of, you know. Yeah. Yuck. Right. And uh, <laughs> you meant the other one. Yes, the other one. And like, I get I get that it's supposed to be, I, I would say it was supposed to be endearing. I know for us, it's endearing. Uh, for them, it really felt insulting. And it, it's used so much that even at that moment when Alan uh, hits Emery and he calls him that, it doesn't have any impact. It's like it has absolutely zero impact because we've heard them say it to each other in passing. We've heard them say it to each other at, in the mo- in, at, just as offensive. Like there are times when when Michael says it to one of them where it sounds worse than when Alan said it to Emery as he was hitting him. I was like dude like it it was just excessive it was too much it was it loses its impact in the moment where you feel like it needs it the most it's just it it was it was too much for me and like i just i'm sorry i hated this movie i just (laughs) i hated this movie with a passion well i think the the last thing that i'd like to say about it um is it before we give final scores i i know we've mostly been negative i do think it does some things well definitely i love that 40 minute stretch i talked about earlier Mm -hmm. where there's tension where there's questions where there's hiding who you are i think that part is awesome and incredible and it all goes downhill from there i don't think it's i'm not nearly as negative on it as you are phoenix um but i agree that it goes downhill there are definitely parts i i don't love but it's pretty perfect for that 40 minute stretch, at least in my opinion. Um, one thing I do want to touch on that unfortunately is negative yet again is I don't feel like I gained anything from watching this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and you, you have touched on this a couple of times this episode. Um, when you watch, not every movie has to make you, has to teach you something. You know, you have yeah. movies that, that teach you about culture, that teach you about religion, that teach you about historical events. You have movies that bend your mind, give you great drama, make you cry, make you laugh for comedies, make you tense and and thrilling action. And of course, there are movies that, you know, don't make you necessarily feel anything that you just sit there and you're like, yeah, this is a good time. I'm glad I watched this. And while I don't think this was a waste of time or anything like that, because I'm not that negative on it, um, by the time the credits rolled, I was like, what did you gain? <laughs> I want to relate this to a movie that this might shock you when I say this. Um, Nick and I see eye to eye on this extremely. Um, and I'm not saying these movies are the same. I'm saying they're very similar in one aspect. 
and that's Dallas Dallas Buyers Club. Mm. I think they're both very similar in the fact that you're just watching people have conversations. Mm. Um, I don't feel like I gained anything from it. Like I get mm. Dallas Buyers Club is, is a fantastic movie in some people's mind. One Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto and Oscar. I get it. But that whole movie, you're just watching people kind of live their life. It's kind of like watching documentaries. You know what I mean? Except documentaries teach you things. Right, right. It's, it's, it's almost like, right, it's almost like you're invisible and you're watching a stranger live their life for a day, right? <laughs> what do you do every day? Of course, we have great moments. We hang out with friends. We have big things planned in our days. But most days, you just kind of do things that are fun for you. Maybe other people don't find that as much fun. It's just kind of living, watching people live their lives. Dallas Buyers Club and Boys in the Band are exactly like that. And it's like, I don't, like, what do I gain from watching this? Do I gain that, like, relationships can be mended because of the whole Larry and Hank thing? Do I learn how, what it was like to be gay in the 1960s? Like, I don't, what, what did I get, get yeah. out of this? And not every movie has to pull something out of me. Not every movie has to teach me something. But this in particular just felt like such a dud. Like, okay, I just kind of passed the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I 100% agree with that sentiment. Uh, yeah, I didn't gain much of anything from this. Uh, this was the first movie in the 23 episodes that we've done for Film Go, where I was like, I must really love doing this show. <laughs> because I'm like, I feel like under any other circumstances, there's no way I would have finished this movie. I like maybe the curiosity of, you know, just having to finish something that I started would force me to do it. But I literally almost quit on this movie about four or five times as I was watching it because it was just so obnoxiously done. I, I, I couldn't get with the pacing. The editing was atrocious. And I just felt like it had no purpose. Like once again, back to the why, like this is a movie yeah. had absolutely no why. And that's why at the end of it, you're left wondering like, what did I get from that? Because there's, there's no end goal, right? Yeah, there's yeah. no end goal. What, what's the end goal of, you know, any movie, pick any movie. What's the end goal? <laughs> Is it to teach you something about culture, about history, about groups of people? Is it to tell a unique story? Like, you know, um, Shape of Water, Interstellar, like right. these are unique stories. Is it to, you know, action, comedy, romance, shed light on your emotions? What is? What am I supposed to get out of this? What's our end goal here? Yeah. Is it just to show a group of a bunch of just toxic assholes? <laughs> Apparently I mean, I don't, that was it. I guess, like, so I don't know. That's, that's, that's my final word on it. All right, so final scores, give it to me. You know, I was, I woke up this morning thinking um, I was positive on it, but after getting into this and and kind of just voicing my opinions, because this is the first time I'm talking about it since mm. I watched it, um, it's going to downgrade a bit in my mind. Like I said, I'm still not extremely negative on it. Uh, I'm going to give it a C plus. That's two and a half stars for me, which is, is not good. But in the year 2020, that'll probably be near my top 10. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, yeah. that 40-minute stretch that I talked about earlier was fantastic. 
another thing I did not touch on, I actually really enjoyed the cinematography. I think the cinematography yeah. was, was nice, especially in some aspects where they like, you know, show the, the bedroom upstairs with two guys talking and pan down the stairs. Mm -hmm. There was quite a few shots that I was like, wow, I really like that shot. Um, but overall, the pacing is a disaster. I don't care about several characters. Um, and that phone game, just I get it. I get it. I get it. But I hate <laughs> it. And um, there's no why. There's no, why. there's no why. I get that it's a very successful play, but there's a reason why some things are very successful plays, very successful books, very successful musicals that do not translate to the big screen. And yes. this is one of them. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it doesn't have a why is the main reason. Like uh, the worst films that I have this year are Artemis Fowl and Infidel. And they both uh, do, do the same thing. Both films do not have a why. There's, there's just no reason why this should should happen. There's no reason why I should care. There's no reason in, in any for any of it. So that's where this movie sits for me. It's at the bottom of my 2020 rankings. Uh, solid one and a half. Uh, I, I think some people did decent in, in terms of acting. Michael Benjamin Washington, uh, Robin DeJesus, Matt Bomber, uh, uh, Tuck Watkins, I think that was his name, who, uh, who played Hank. Um, and Andrew Ronells, who I think is probably the one person who I think stood out above the rest uh, just for that, that monologue he gave, which I think was fantastic. Probably the best, like along with those 40 minutes that, that Nathan talked about early in the movie, uh, his Larry's monologue, I think, mm, is, is très magnifique. Um, and that's it, man. Like that, that that's really all the positives I can give this movie. No why, just a bunch of guys. And 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 I hated just about every character in it. Uh yeah. Final score. What is it? One and a half. It's wow. It's at the bottom. Wow. It's at the bottom. Wow. <laughs> all righty. Let's move on to questions. All right, sweet. So we got, I believe, two or three. I got it. You got yep. it? We got three. All right, so our first question comes from consistent question answer, question <laughs> asker, Freddie Robles. You can find oh. him on Twitter at Fred, J-R-X-I-I-I. Um, Freddie, thank you for the question. Thanks, as always. Freddie. Thanks for being a consistent listener to the show, uh, consistent friend of the show as well. So Freddie asks us this week, uh, what's a genre or subgenre? you want more people to give love to. And Phoenix, mm. I feel like this is a question that is right up your alley. So why don't you start? Ooh, there are so many, uh, but you know me, I love movie musicals, man. Like, like movie musicals are, are my ish and uh, I don't feel like they get enough credit. I mean, there are some great ones. There are, there are some awful ones too, but I think, you know, like I said, I'm a big, uh, I think I said before, Sister Act is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I would also advocate for a movie called Sing Street. If you have not seen Sing Street, it is amazing. Um, and uh, I'm gonna throw Mamma Mia in there. So like, <laughs> like for me, movie musicals is always, is always my ish. So that's where I would go. Nathan, what about you? Yeah, I'm gonna say, um... I don't, I don't really know how to, how to phrase this, but um, movies based off of books, I guess is something I'm going to say okay. a lot of people, a lot of people. And, and like I said, we just talked about 
adaptations. And I think a lot of times <laughs> in chapter two, um, <laughs> book adaptations don't work on the screen, but for the ones that do, I think need more love. Of course, what's the most used phrase on movies that were based off of books? Uh, it's not as good as the book. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and see, while that may be true in a lot of cases, I think that movies that were based off of books often get way more criticized than they do love because everyone compares them to the books. And while that should be, yeah, they should be compared. They shouldn't be over scrutinized. You know, I'm scared for Dune when it comes out because all these, mm-hmm. you know, bookworms that read the book are going to criticize every little detail. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the great Gatsby. That's a movie that the bar graph looks like a roller coaster on letterbox. Um, <laughs> people ha- give it five stars. They give it half stars. They give it three stars. I don't know. Um, but I think that just book movies need to get stop, stop getting so much hate. Um, unless they're absolutely atrocious, like it chapter two, um, <laughs> people need to, to need to recognize how many, uh, great book adaptations there are, especially, you know, fight club is one that, that I'm reading right now. Um, after absolutely loving the movie fight club, um, I'm reading the book right now. I am not too far into it given, uh, but so far, I'm not not really enjoying the the beginning of the book. So Ooh. that could change. Check back in a few weeks, but um, that's a long answer for you, Freddie. Thanks, Freddie, man. We appreciate it. All right. So uh, very great question asker right now is from my mother, actually. So <laughs> mom, thank you for the questions. That's I awesome. love it. Thank Ooh. you for, for being engaged and involving with our questions on Twitter. So she's actually got two. We'll dive into the first one. Um, What is the first movie you remember seeing in theaters? So I saw that question last night and it really baffled me because I was like, it's it's funny because I I don't remember going to the theater as a kid. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, When I remember when I was a kid, oh God, I'm gonna date myself. When I was a kid, (laughs) <laughs> there was this thing called the dollar uh, fifty theater, and yeah, and they would always show movies that had left the theaters like months or even years ago, but they would show them for only a buck fifty. So we would all go and see stuff, you know, that had been out of theaters for almost a year, and those were the first movies that I went and saw. But I don't remember any of them. <laughs> Uh, so like the only movie that I can think of that I remember by the time I was able, you know, to really get into it. And I'm not going to give that answer because I gave that for another question that we asked. Uh, but the one thing that I can remember that I know I saw in theaters and that I loved, even though it was terrible and it was cheesy and I feel like I would not enjoy it today. And that is the uh, original Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, I I saw that in theaters. I believe at the dollar fifty show. It was fantastic when I was like seven. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember that. That's probably the first one that uh, that I can remember actually seeing in theaters. All right. Well, we're going to give a handful. We're both going to give um, pretty awful movies as our <laughs> answer here. Um, I don't I, I just have a bad memory when it comes to my childhood. I don't remember very 
I remember specific things, like big things. Mm-hmm. But as far as like things like this, I just don't really remember. Um, I do remember my grandparents taking me and my brother to see an animated movie in 2009. So I would have been 10. Um, mm-hmm. And it was called Monsters vs. Aliens. And it has Reese Witherspoon, Paul Rudd. Rain Wilson, like, you know, recognizable names, but it's like this awful scored movie um, <laughs> about this like blue blob. Right. And um, I remember my grandparents taking, taking my brother and I to go see it. And I remember that vividly. Like, obviously I know what the first movie is that I saw in theaters as like a three-year-old, but um, I don't really remember that. That's just something I've been told and seen <laughs> pictures of more so than I remember. So right. uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, which was 2009, that's my answer to that. Um, the other question is, at what age did your passion for movies begin? I'm going to start off with that. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed watching movies, but it's never really been my hobby. Sports has always been my main primary hobby, interest, things like that. Um, it was really a couple of years ago that movies became huge. You know, I'm at college right now, and uh, – we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So there's a theater around that is very cheap. It's not like $12 for tickets. It's $5. So when there's nothing to do, going to the movies, paying for a very cheap ticket is very easy for us. So um, going to see a bunch of movies there, I would really say Infinity War is when I got really excited about the MCU. But I'd say A Star is Born, which came out, which I watched um, probably like October of uh gosh i'd be 2018 october 2018 um was when i really like wow yeah movies is something i need to get into movies is something that i'm interested in so whether it be the mcu and infinity war came out or stars born just six months later that put me at like 19 years old so very recently what about you um i would say fairly recently as well i think i, I like i've always been a big movie buff um but as far as knowing like this could be turned into anything i felt like that that only happened fairly recently and i remember exactly when it happened it was the first time i signed up for uh amc stubbs a-list program and uh with the with the amc uh a-list program you can see up to three movies a week and like one week I kept getting out of work early and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to the movies. (laughs) And I, in one week I saw seven movies in the theater. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, oh my God, I've actually gotten a chance to go in and see a movie right when it comes out and I get to appreciate it and review it. Cause you know, I just gotten on letterbox and all of that. And I was like, I think I like this. I think, <laughs> I think I want to do this. And uh, so I think that was when, and that was like 2018. So like, so like right around the same time as you. So yeah, uh, I would say that's, that's when that happened. Wonderful. Freddie, my mom, thank you for the questions. Thanks, really guys. appreciate it. Um, for those of you that don't know on our Twitter over on, Twitter at Film Code Pod. We ask every week for questions, more organic responses. We usually don't know what the questions are until the show. So just kind of anything film related, go ahead and ask us. 
um, doesn't have to be what we're talking about. And we'll answer your questions, just kind of get to know us a little bit better as hosts and our tastes and things like that. That's on Twitter at film code pod. We'll shout you out on the show, just like we just did for our question askers there. So let's move right along. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So we have a meaty discussion (laughs) to get into meaty. Uh, so on our last episode, I believe we we popped up like three ideas that we thought would be great. So we were like, well, let's do it. And one of them was a uh, best picture winning Oscar moment. And Oscar is uh, in, in quotes because it's one of those things where it's like, I guess the question that we're asking is, what is the moment in this film where you said that's going to win an Oscar? <laughs> and you know i feel like it's different for each of us so to be sure we went through the best picture winners of the past decade and we're we're gonna say which ones have the, that moment if they have it some some may not so <laughs> so let's start uh we're going way back to 2010 nathan kick us off do you remember what the best picture winner was in 2010 yeah, it was the social network. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm sorry. That's right. Oh, no. It was, oh. Oh, oh, no. It, no. Was, it was the King's Speech. Oh, oh no. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, obviously, I know it's the King's Speech. The social network should have won. That's my way of interpreting the social network we, won. We all uh, agree that the social network should have won. <laughs> so the best picture or the Oscar moment in the social network. It, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, in the King's Speech. Uh, look, I'm not a fan of this movie. Uh, I don't, I think this movie is very boring. Um, I like the cast. It's basically the Harry Potter cast in Mm -hmm. King's Speech. Um, But I did not care for this. Um, If only Nick was here. He is a fan of this movie. Mm. He would be able to to give an Oscar moment, but Nick is not on the show today. Um, Man, I don't know. This, I was very bored by this. I tried to erase this movie from my mind. But I would be happy to talk about the social network again if you want. <laughs> we all know what the Oscar moment is from the social network, though. Which of the five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which of the five? Uh, so I did see the King's speech. I uh, I remember watching it and I was like, that was good. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, then I found out later that it won Best Picture. I was like, why? <laughs> I'm like, I mean, like, it was good, but I was like, I don't know about that one, but uh, for me, the Oscar-winning moment in that film actually comes towards the end when he finally does give the speech. And Finless grave, power, Perhaps the most fateful in our history. 
I send to every household of my her peoples. Both at home. And overseas. This message. Spoken with the same depth for feeling for each one of you, as if I were able to cross your threshold and speak to you myself. For the second time in the lives of most of us, we are at, at war. Uh, they're in that studio and um... Oh dear God, I'm I'm gonna blank on his name. Uh, his uh, ling linguistics instructor, I guess that's what he is. Uh, you know, he's walking him through it, and the way that he walks him through it, you know, the way he's like, you know, sort of conducting his speech, I think was a really brilliant, beautiful moment. Uh, you know, it's got the 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 orchestra behind it. It's very well done, well tailored, and I think that's the that's the moment that one. The King's Speech, it's Oscar. <laughs> I think you're going to carry us here for the next few years. <laughs> so what do we have in 2011? The Artist, right? Yes, The Artist. Um, or you mean Moneyball. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, whoa, <laughs> I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa. Uh, yes, The Artist. The Artist. Uh, so I recently saw The Artist. Uh, I got to say I love this movie. I thought it, thought it was fantastic. Um, really? Yeah. For them doing a silent film in the in the 2000s era, I thought that was impressive. Wait, just wait, a, wait, wait. It's a silent film? Yeah. It's a 100% silent that. film. Uh, and just the way that, uh, you know, everyone commits to it, I think the score is sensational. Um, and Juan Dujardin is fantastic. I think he does a great job uh, in that role. Uh, so those, the Oscar winning scene for me actually comes again towards the end. Um, this is after uh, he's, I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but uh, he, he loses a bit of his fame uh, to the woman that he loves and uh, he destroys like his entire room and he's, he's prepared to like end his life. It's that, that moment where I feel like that's what won it for him. Um, but also I would give another scene is the first, uh, time they dance together. I think it's such a beautifully well done scene, uh, uh, like, uh, props go to the director. I think it was so sensational and I think the, the response to it was perfect. And if anything, I feel like the, the emotional scene definitely helps. I think the dancing scene probably did it because of just the pull that it has on you. So yeah, that's what I would go for with the artist. Alrighty. The first half of the 2010s, I have not seen the best picture winner. I've seen quite a few from each year that were nominated, but unfortunately haven't Ooh. gotten around to these winners, uh, which includes the next one, which is Argo. So mm. you can take it away again. 
Argo has several, but the one for me, I would argue is when they are arriving at the bazaar in Iran and uh, people mistake them for America. Well, they are Americans, but <laughs> they're pretending to be Canadian. And so like they, they get sort of bombarded and, and uh, uh, I won't say attacked, but definitely like they get a little hostile treatment. And there's one character who just keeps shouting, no, we're Canadian, we're Canadian. And it is, it's so like done in such a way and it's very sort of like shaky cam, but it works, but it's done in such a way that adds to the frenzy of it all and, and really like terrifies you into believing that they may not get out of this situation. He wants the photograph too. It's okay, sir. Jali take photographs. She's production designer. He did not give you permission. That's The fan that the shot killed his son, American gun. Uh, it's a very frenzied emotional scene that I think has enough uh, uh, tug and pull in it that could definitely that could definitely be the reason why uh, at least for me I think that Argo won and I would argue that year that year had a lot of competition Silver Linings yeah. Playbook <laughs> you know what I'm saying Django and Chains Zero Dark Thirty Lincoln you know what I'm saying there's there's some stuff there but I. I I, I'm okay with Argos, man. <laughs> I was gonna say, let's let's spice in the to spice it up. Do you think the winner should have won with each with each uh, role? So, 2013, uh, yet again, a movie I have not seen. Shamefully, hey. 12 Years a Slave is just mm -hmm. one of these movies that is I keep needing to see, and it just <laughs> I never get around to it. You know, we all have those movies, so unfortunately, I haven't. Uh, I have seen quite a bit of the 2013s, though, so. Um, after you take it away, I'll, I'll talk about what I think should win. Um, obviously, having not seen 12 Years a Slave, though. Okay, 12 Years a Slave has uh, one of the most heartbreaking scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie. Um, and I love, love, love Sarah Paulson with like every fiber of my being, but she is a monster in this movie. <laughs> okay, she is an absolute monster. Um, there is a scene where uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character is getting beat and they make Chewy Tell Edge of Force character do it. And Give her the whip. Give it all to her. Glad you come here and you be here now. Glad! Come here! I'd rather you play... Striker. Striker. 
He pantomimes. There's barely a welt on him. That's what your niggas make of you. Fool for the taking. Striker, Black Striker! Platt in the movie and she tells him you know she, like I believe the the slave master is doing it he does it like two three times and then he gives it to Platt and she says I'd rather it be you Platt and he he like has to do it and it's a close-up on his face as he's doing it it is horrendous it is one of the hardest scenes to watch it is so brutal uh I know I shouldn't point that out but like I feel like that's the the scene that that really has you like like oh my god and then you hear Sarah Paulson like he's like laying into it. he's not taking it easy on her and you hear Sarah Paulson in the back go he's barely doing it. it's like what is wrong with it? it's so hard <laughs> to watch but it's a great scene I think that's what did it for 12 years of slave <laughs> awesome. well again haven't seen it do you agree with it winning uh, I can't remember what else was nominated that year. Well, her has been was nominated. So oh, I know you're a big advocate of oh, that. I love that movie. Uh, yeah, I, I'd still go with Twelve Years a Slave. All right. Well, mm. obviously haven't haven't seen Twelve Years a Slave yet, but I'm a big fan of American Hustle. I think that mm. I just think that with what everything the Academy is looking for, I think it is a deserving winner. Um, like I said. Don't necessarily think it should beat 12 Years a Slave. I can't adequately say that yet. Um, but of all the other choices, Gravity, Dallas Buyers Club, Captain Phillips, Her, Wolf of Wall Street. I think American mm. Hustle is better than all of those. I think Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street, Street is a little <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street's a little too rated R for the Academy to win. Um, stuff like that. So uh, American Hustle would have been my choice. We'll regroup when I see 12 Years a Slave. Mm. All right, so let's move along to 2014. Uh, Birdman. Which I think is a, is a surprising winner, is it not? Um, yes, because that is also the same year that Whiplash came out, and we would yes. I think we would argue that Whiplash, <laughs> above and beyond, should have taken that. As much as I enjoy Birdman, and a few episodes yes. ago, uh, we did our best of the decade. Both Birdman and Whiplash are on my list, uh, but I have Whiplash higher. Like Whiplash was. Whiplash is, is one of the three Best. perfect films that yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. So. But so Birdman, um, Birdman has a scene where uh, I think he's finally accepting his alternate personality and they walk through the streets together and they do stuff together uh, like towards the end. And it's, it's really because it's done in that one shot style. I think it's really 
well done. I think it's like supremely well done. God, you look like shit, brother. You get that mongoloid look when you're hungover, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Come on, get up. It's a beautiful day. Forget about the times everyone else has. Come on, stand up. So you're not a great actor. Who cares? You're much more than that. You tower over these other theater douchebags. You're a movie star, man. You're a global force. Don't you get it? You spent your whole life building a bank account and a reputation, and you blow both. Good for you. Fuck it. We'll make a comeback. They're waiting for something huge. We'll give it to them. Shape off that pathetic goatee. Get some surgery. Sixty's the new third, motherfucker. You were the original, man. You paved the way for all these other little clowns. Give the people what they want. Some good old-fashioned apocalyptic porn. Birdman, the phoenix rises. Pimple-faced gamers screaming in their pants. A billion worldwide, guaranteed. You were larger than life, man. You save people from their boring, miserable lives. You make them jump, laugh, shit their pants. All you have to do is... What I'm talking about, bones rattling, big, loud, fast. Look at these people, look at their eyes, they're all sparkling. They love this shit, they love blood, they love action. Not this talking, depressing, philosophical bullshit. Yes, and the next time you screech, It'll explode into millions of eardrums. You'll glimmer on thousands of screens around the globe. Another blockbuster. You are a god. See? There you go, you motherfucker. Because the entire movie, we're watching sort of like a psychotic break, uh, just like on the brink of happening. And so when it finally just snaps and these two become one, I feel like, you know, most people expect it to have that like, oh, you know, crashing down sort of effect. And instead it's very liberating and there's great music behind it. It's all hopeful and joyful. And they're walking through the city together. And it's just, I, I feel like it's it's extremely well done because of just how they subvert expectations in that. So for me, that would be that scene for Birdman. Yeah, I it's been a while since I've seen Birdman and I was distracted while watching it. Um, but I specifically remember that scene where Edward Norton's character goes off and mm -hmm. is like very angered. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I it's been a while, so I can't specifically say too much that I remember from it. But um, I remember being very impressed by that scene and wow. So I don't know if that's necessarily an Oscar moment. That's just the biggest scene that I can remember. Um, so I really enjoyed that. But 2014 was, was, a I, I great think, year. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about like best years of this decade for what was nominated collectively. Mm -hmm. um, that's a discussion for another time, but regardless, this is a fantastic year front to back from 
what was nominated. I mean, you have Whiplash, which is one of the three perfect movies I've ever seen. Absolutely should have won. You also have American Sniper, a movie that I'm a big fan of. I think mm. they nailed it with that. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, what, easily Wes Anderson's best movie. Fantastic, fantastic, hilarious. I don't know if it's necessarily what the Academy's looking for, um, but Grand Budapest Hotel, fantastic. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about Theory of Everything, a lot of great things about Selma and Boyhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so top to bottom, fantastic, fantastic year. The only one I would argue probably um, I'm not high on is The Imitation Game. I feel like that movie was eh. <laughs> it's good, but... another one i I have not seen so 2015 um spotlight is another movie that i was distracted on um i was very bored and i was immature uh i was an immature viewer watching this i did not give it my full attention and it definitely demands a rewatch from nathan pig so i'm gonna let phoenix take this away now i don't even agree with half of the nominees that they have in 2015 um but whatever (laughs) um oh yeah i'll tell you some ones that should have been nominated yeah yeah but i I think with that crop of nominees it was a no-brainer it was a no-brainer spotlight was the best movie of of those nominees um the scene that i know that uh is the oscar-winning scene for for that is um right when they're getting ready to publish they encounter some um, opposition, you know, I think it was either about the number of cases or, you know, or uh, how they were reporting it, whether, you know, they had gotten it directly from the source or, or whatever. And they were about to print and, and they had gotten stopped and Mark Ruffalo's character uh, has a monologue that is, I mean, <laughs> chef's kiss perfect where it's like uh if 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 that's the 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 scene that they show for his uh I would be I would be shocked if that wasn't the scene that they chose for his nomination you know what I'm saying where it's like yeah cuz he nails it we'll take it to Ben when I say it's time it's time Robbie it's time they knew and they let it happen to kids Okay? It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. We got to nail these scumbags. We got to show people that nobody can get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal or a freaking pope. Like, Mark Ruffalo became one of my favorite actors uh, because of Spotlight. So that's Love Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, that to me is the scene that won Spotlight, the Oscar. Um Movies that I think should have been nominated, not over anything, because stop me if you've heard this before. Haven't seen a lot of the noms in this uh, in mm-hmm. this year. I have seen The Big Short, which I think is the only thing that maybe could have contended with Spotlight, seriously. Except that's a little too joke heavy to win. I think. I think they were uh, a little bit too similar, actually, as far yeah. as like you know newsworthy events. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but. Um, not counting out any of the nominees, but I do think that Hateful Eight absolutely deserved a nom. Um, the Lobster is another movie that I'm a huge fan of. You talk about symbolism and meaning and metaphors. That has to be in there. Um, I also think Steve Jobs should have been nominated. 
you can disagree with me there. And mm. straight out of Compton should have been nominated yeah, as well. 100%. So with those four, I think those are four uh, strong nominees in, in a year that doesn't look too strong nomination. <laughs> um, all right. You got anything to say about that? Uh, I definitely agree on uh, straight out of Compton. I, I don't understand why that one wasn't there. That, that I, mm-hmm. I don't get that at all. Um, the only other one I think of the nominees that stood a fair chance, I think it's Room. Uh, yeah. Brie, Brie Larson's yeah. movie I think that movie was fantastic but again I think similar subject matter is probably why uh, Spotlight won out on it but I think Brie Larson does a fantastic job in that movie I think what it says about abduction and you know trying to recover from abduction I think is significant and poignant and probably I would I would say has more relevance to today but I think spotlights, it, yeah, it's like it's tied. But yeah, uh, so on that front, room would have been probably my number two on my ballot. But one hundred percent, definitely agree with straight out of Compton. All right, twenty sixteen, Moonlight. This is all you. I know mm. you are itching to talk about it. You know, this is my baby. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, this was the first year where I finally had actually watched the Oscar ceremony. I had missed it all of this entire decade. And somehow I got off work in time and I had cable at home and I was like, oh, let's watch the Oscars. And I picked Moonlight to win without having seen any of the movies that were nominated. And of course, we know they they announced La La Land, and then I was like, bullshit, turned off my TV, bitched on Facebook, and then found out, nope, Moonlight actually won. So I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Uh, And it's the reason why I um, got into film, because I was just like, I just picked the best uh, picture winner without having seen anything. And it's the first year where I watched all nine, I believe it was, yeah, all nine nominated movies uh, for best picture. And I can confirm Moonlight was 100% the, the best choice for best picture. And I think the scene that does it is, I hate to be, I hate to be tacky and, and pick the obvious, but I think it's the scene with Mahershala and Little in the water. Yeah. 
Cinematography is perfect. The camera lighting is perfect. Just the whole symbolism in it is brilliant. I, mm, yeah, to me, that's what did it. That That's what had to do it. Let me tell you something, man. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to go a little differently from you. I'm going to say when they're on the beach uh, that's my at night, <laughs> yes, at night with Kevin and Chirone as teenagers. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a very powerful scene. Um, I think that's pers- personally, I think that's the best scene in the movie um, for everything it stands for, whether it's with characters or with real life situations, representations. Um, I think that scene is just re- very powerful. And I think that is the Oscar moment from that movie. I'm just listening to you, nigga. Sound like something you want to do. I want to do a lot of things that don't make sense. I didn't say it don't make sense. But tell me, like, like what? Like what lot of things? Damn, dog. You knows it. Oh, Sharon Kirsten now, huh? You trying to get smart with me? Whatever, man. Nah, you trying to get smart with me, huh, Sharon? Yeah, you trying to get smart with me, huh? Maybe it's not the prettiest scene, even though it's a very pretty scene. I think it's a gorgeous scene. Yes, it's not the prettiest scene in the movie. um, But nonetheless, that is the Oscar moment from that. I would argue Uh, there's another one in there. uh, One of the last scenes when they meet as uh, adults in the the diner and they're sitting across from each other and unable to say anything. To me, I think that's that's another one. And you see like, it's a a specific shot where there's smoke coming in on a... Black's face, I think is uh, it's it's just it's probably not the Oscar-winning moment, but it is one of, of the best shots in that movie. Uh, so yeah, that that's Moonlight easily for me. Twenty sixteen, another fantastic year for nominees. Strong year, very strong year. All right, let's move on to twenty seventeen, and I will highlight this one for once. <laughs> <laughs> Shape of Water. Um, mm. I think this is a, I think this is a good movie. I do. I gave this a B plus, um, three and a half stars, which is a good movie, not a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my problem with it is there are just so many better candidates. I think this is one of the least. <laughs> I think this is one of the least deserving winners of mm. the year. Um, mm. 
Anyways, focusing on the Oscar moment, it's got to be when her and the alien finally fall in love, get their little, you know, kiss underwater when the whole apartment fills up with water. Um, it to me just speaks, I think it, it speaks about love. It speaks about being yourself. It speaks about knowing who you are and what you want, not necessarily what society tells you to be. Um, and even though I'm not the biggest fan of Shape of Water overall, um, I think there's, like I said, my, uh, the other nominees deserved to win. I still think it definitely has something very powerful to say about who you are, society versus what you want and expectations and love and, and things like that. So uh, definitely powerful messaging. And when she and the alien finally get together, um, I think that's its Oscar moment because of everything it stands for, not necessarily what it's showing. Um, Phoenix, you have yet to see it, so. Yeah, um, but 2017, I mean, ugh. I know it would have been a long shot, but it should have been Get Out. <laughs> It really should have been Get Out. I think um, just what that movie does and what it says about society and our culture and our issues on race and just where we are and the, the I won't say the possibilities, but definitely the uh, just the darkness of that story, I think is fantastic. And I think it has so many way, places to go and I love it. Another one that I'm not super high on, but I also would have been happy to see this win, Best Picture, would have been Call Me By Your Name. I feel like that movie definitely has some Best Picture, like Oscar winning moments. Um, I think the cinematography of that movie is gorgeous. Like some of the best of the of that year. Uh, and, you know, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer, they just, they, they kill it. Um, I have not seen The Post. I've not seen Darkest Hour or Phantom Thread. Mm -hmm. But of the ones I have seen, I think Shape of Water I'd put last in most deserving <laughs> winners. I would. I mean, I would. I think. Um, I think Lady Bird is a fantastic movie. I don't know if it's necessarily oh, Lady Bird. Oh I don't God, think it's yes. necessarily winning worthy because this is a discussion you and I had about like what deserves to win versus the physical best movie of the year. Um, but Dunkirk, I think is another movie that is a good movie. I don't know if it should have won because it's not really saying much, um, but call me by your name and get out wonderful movies. I think get out to the best movie of this list, um, but I don't think it should have won. You know where I'm going with this Phoenix. Ooh. Uh, I think three. I think three billboards outside <laughs> Ebbing, Missouri, is the perfect winner. I think mm. with what the Academy has established, with what it's looking for, as far as I, first of all, I think three billboards is the perfect drama. I do. When I think you're looking at drama movies, I think this is perfect. Um, it's got several Oscar winner winning moments inside of it. I think the Academy really messed up in mm. in a year. I will advocate for three billboards to win till the day I die. But in a year where Call Me By Your Name, Lady Bird, Get Out, and three billboards are all nominated, and you pick Shape of to Water, water. I, think, I think that's <laughs> I think, just and a you know what? huge, huge mistake. And you know what? I think, honestly, what that came down to was their balloting system, because you can have a ballot where, especially now when you have nine nominees, you can have a ballot where the movie, where most people have ranked you know, third or fourth wins because 
you know, it's not even, enough, it's just on there. Right. No, you know, not enough people have the other movies ranked higher. So like, I feel like that's where that happened because I mean, I totally forgot about Lady Bird. Like that would have been my pick. I think over all of these is Lady Bird. I feel like Lady Bird was fantastic. Uh, Get Out would have been probably number two and then Call Me By Your Name. So like my ballot would have had Shape of Water at least fourth uh, because I feel like there were three movies way better. Um, so we got to move on to 2018 now, which has, oh God, I forgot. <laughs> we are both, you and I are both in the minority as we are big defenders of Green Book. Yes, <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, uh, we, we are 100% in the minority, but yeah, I loved Green Book. Uh, a lot of people did not. Green Book got a lot of flack. Um, this is also the only other year where I've seen all of the eight nominees. And I also want to point out Bill Street, if Bill Street could talk, should have also been nominated here. The fact that it wasn't is BS. It was a fantastic movie. Um, but yeah, Green Book. I can tell you right now what scene it was. <laughs> and it may Go seem ahead. it may seem like a benign scene, but I actually think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. It's the first time uh Don Shirley helps him write uh his letter to his wife. And they're sitting on that bench outside of a outside of a, like a shin uh, you know shack or whatever uh it's just the way it's shot it's so picturesque i think it's great and their dialogue i think is really uh sweet and and endearing in the sheer fact that it's you know we have this whole story about race and the race relations and how awful it is in that time and in this moment it's just you want to tell a girl that you love her you know what I'm saying? And that you're thinking of her. Like, I feel like that that moment really kind of just uh, owns that, the whole film really, and just tells that story of just humanity and hum human kindness and human decency. So I feel like that's the moment where uh, Green Book won it. It's just crazy to me that this is directed by the same guy who did Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> movie 43. Right. And all these just ridiculously dumb comedies <laughs> directs this outstanding drama about right. racism, friendship, struggle. It's incredible to me. Um, I, you and I are both huge defenders of Green Book. Yeah. I, I have not given many five stars during my time in Letterboxd. I think Green Book's like the second or third five star I've ever given. Mm. Um, it has been a long time since I've seen this. So if if I mess up a few details, my apologies. It has been a very long time since I've seen this. Um, but for me, I specifically remember the scene where they ask him to play, I, I don't even remember the character's names, where they ask Mahershala mm -hmm. Ali to play the piano. Mm. Um, and isn't it like either he wouldn't play it because it's not, it, it's in the restaurant. And either they wouldn't let him play or they wouldn't let wouldn't, him use the, they wouldn't let him sit in the restaurant or they wouldn't let him use the restroom, which thing? No, I think it's I think it's when he wouldn't let him in the in the uh, in the restaurant. In the restaurant, okay. Yeah. I think that was what it was for me. And you have, um, oh my goodness, let me look at the names. I'm sorry, it's been so long. Um, you have Frank. Frank. Yes, you have yeah. Frank stand up for 
uh, Don. You have him stand up for him, say like, why can't he eat here? You know, he was the pianist for the event, wasn't he? Right. And they still wouldn't let him eat there. Yeah. Um, so again, my apologies for it being so, I've probably seen 300 movies since I've seen this. <laughs> so it's just so in the back of my mind. Um, but I remember that one scene in a restaurant where Frank specifically stands up for Don. Um, and that was my defining moment for me. Yeah. Uh, 2018 also has Roma, A Star is Born, like Black Klansman. Like Black Klansman, yes. 2018 was great. And it's sad that if Bill Street Could Talk was not in here and that in, instead we had to suffer through Bohemian Rhapsody and Vice. Uh, <laughs> ugh. <laughs> but a rare, a rare time we will agree about Christian Bale. Yeah. But. 2018, I definitely feel like Green Book was fantastic. Definitely the best choice. And now we come to last year, which had an impressive lineup. Also the only other year where I saw all of the nominees. 2019, uh, Parasite, which I like, you know, I feel like was a clear cut favorite to win best picture, but wasn't sure because it was a uh, obviously in a foreign language and a foreign language had never won best picture before. Um, but the moment for me in Parasite that I think won them the Oscar, oof, and there are a lot of great moments in this movie. Uh, but I actually think it's the scene where the family's hiding underneath the table <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying, you know, that their grift has worked and they're celebrating and then all of a sudden the family comes home and they have to get back in the character and they have to clean up their mess and make it look like they weren't who they are. And so they're hiding underneath the table, hoping not to get caught. I feel like that scene is without a doubt, just embodies the entire story of what they're trying to tell on classism and just, and then they reveal like how people of a lower class have a, a different kind of smell. <laughs> I, I just love it. I love that scene in the movie. I think it's fantastic. And I think it ratchets the tension up tremendously in the, in the movie. So for me, that's its Oscar moment. I think for me, it's when they find out that there's like the former maid's husband living below the house. Right. I think for me, that's what it is because it's like, <laughs> this family has no idea that there's someone living. I don't even know if they know there's a bunker there. Um, for me, it's that. I think that's just such a jaw-dropping moment where it's like, whoa. And I know that that's not necessarily what the Academy is looking for, mm -hmm. um, but I really think that that's the best moment inside the movie. Um, you, you know this well. I, I don't think Parasite should have won. I think it's a fantastic movie. I'm not a Parasite hater. Please don't cancel me. <laughs> um, I am not a Parasite hater. I give four and a half stars. Fantastic movie. I just don't think it should have won. Um, you know what I think should have won. Um, and I'm inclined I, to agree, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should have won. I think mm. that um, you take such a tragic and horrific event with what happened to Sharon Tate. Uh, and such a just hateful, sinful act with the Manson murders, and you turn it into something funny, something enjoyable, something that is extremely, extremely creative. Mm -hmm. And 
I would think with like people our age now, people that necessarily didn't live through the Manson murders, mm-hmm. when you bring that up, you might think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the first <laughs> thing you think of. You right. might forget that that was a real thing that went horribly. So, you know, I'm a big defender that I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should have won, even though I think Parasite's the better movie, mm-hmm. which is a discussion for another time on how I, you know, rate that. Um, but Parasite still deserve deserve to win too. I am in that same boat where I, I definitely agree with Parasite winning, but it would not have been my choice. And you know what my choice was? I my do. choice would have been Marriage Story. I feel like Marriage Story is a fantastic, fantastic movie. I feel like it has so many Oscar moments, particularly the one that comes to mind is Adam Driver singing uh, Being Alive. I think that is is sensational. Um, but just the whole movie about you know love and divorce and how these two people come apart and 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 in other ways come back together, it's just it's so brilliantly done and I and I think it's funny because I started watching uh, Kramer versus Kramer recently, which is a movie it gets compared to a lot, and I haven't finished it. I got like forty minutes left, but so far Marriage Story takes the cake for me. Like I feel like it's just done so much better. A lot of people argue about the fight scene, which I'm like, upsets me because they saw it out of context. Uh, But even the fight scene, I think is fantastic. It's not the best scene in the movie. Uh, (laughs) There are multiple great scenes in this movie. And just, again, when it comes to humanity, I feel like it hits it right on the head, just how we deal with love and loss and divorce. It's all there. Again, I think Parasite is the better made movie. I think it also has a deeper message. But for me personally, Marriage Story was my favorite of the year. Yeah, and I think that for me, the defining moment in Marriage Story would be when, near the end, when um, Adam Driver is reading the letter that Mm. his ex-wife refused to read at the Mm. beginning. Charlie is self-made, his parents, I only met them once, but he told me there was a lot of alcohol. He moved to New York from Indiana with no safety net, and now he's more a New Yorker than any New Yorker. He's brilliant at creating family out of whoever is around. With the theater company, he casts a spell that made everyone feel included. No one, not even an intern, was unimportant. What's an intern? Uh, it's like a helper, but who isn't paid. Why aren't they paid? They're young. They're learning. I don't know. Maybe if they do a good job, they get paid later. Okay, keep going. He could remember all the inside jokes. He's extremely organized and thorough. He's very clear about what he wants, unlike me, who can't always tell. I fell in love with him two seconds after I saw him. stop loving him even though it doesn't make sense anymore you know he was very open about reading his very open about sharing his emotions and feelings and she refused to read we as the audience know what it said Mm -hmm. but he did not and i think that 
um, when he's reading it to his son and he doesn't even say some of the sentences because he's just taking it all in. Uh, very emotional, very emotional. I love Marriage Story as well. Um, 2019 was stacked. 2019 was a fantastic year. Even though Booksmart should have been nominated. Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, if you've enjoyed this discussion, we will be doing something similar with other um, Oscar-winning moments in other decades. We'll do Oscar moments with non-winners, where we think this is the moment that should have won mm -hmm. this movie an Oscar. Um, this is a discussion for another time, but when we have a a uh, you know larger ensemble here to to talk with us, but. Great conversation. I always love when we talk about the Oscars, Phoenix. The Oscars are so much fun. Yeah. I love talking about winners and nominations and everything. Mm -mm. Um. You are now film code. Start program. Run, force, run! All right. All right. So... It is uh, Nathan's code word this week. Uh, it's just us, so I'm the only one guessing. <laughs> but uh, Nathan, remind everyone what your code word was and all of your clues, please. Yeah, I am looking to see if I posted them or if you I just told not. you. You just told us. Right. I remember them if you want me to. Yes, please help me okay. out. Thank you. <laughs> right. So Nathan's code word this week was family. Uh, it was a movie from 2014 to 2019 uh and it starred an actor who had appeared in both the dceu and the mcu and was uh had appeared on the office uh so with those clues i came up with three different movies but and you're I need, gonna have to pick one and i'm gonna have to pick one but first i want to ask a question so oh boy all right so when you say family, is it that it involves a family or is it a family film? Um, I would lean more into it involves a family. Oh, it's more so with what I was going for. All right. So that, that hopefully clears it up. <laughs> so the person that I, I uh, was thinking of is Idris Elba. He appeared in two DCEU movies, uh, The Losers, and he will be in the upcoming Suicide Squad. He's also Heimdall in the MCU. He appeared on The Office. I've never seen The Office, so I don't know if he has a recurring role or if he was an official cast member. Um, and you saying that it involves a family sort of cleared it up for me. So I'm going with a movie that was in 2016 I uh, believe that also stars, uh, I want to say Taraji P. Henson, and that is No Good Deed. Uh, this is where he's, I guess, as a, a stalker or hitchhiker, and he uh, uh, gets picked up by her and her kid and tortures him the rest of the movie. Uh, so that's, that's my pick, <laughs> No Good Deed, 2016, starring Aegis Elba. What were your other picks? Uh, both my other picks were fam what I would consider family films, and that's uh, The Jungle Book, the live-action Jungle Book, and uh, the animated Zootopia. So those were the other mm. two that I was thinking of. Okay, well, 
I like how you have not seen The Office, right? No. Okay. So you probably did like a, a basic like search of office characters. Yeah. Did you go deep in office character search or? I was basically, I basically, uh, the first thing I asked was who's an actor who's been in both the DC and the uh, MCU. And they gave me a list of them. And then I looked through that list to see if any of them had appeared on the office. And I believe Idris Elba was the only one. Okay. Um, that's not true. Um, <laughs> but also Idris Elba, the reason I ask is because Idris Elba has a, not a super minor role, but a minor role in the grand scheme of the office. Mm-hmm. He is a, uh, like a, I don't want to say a branch manager, but he's like a corporate boss for like a season out of mm-hmm. nine seasons. So mm-hmm. he's really only in it for 20 episodes, if mm-hmm. even 20 episodes. It's more like 15. Right. Um, and that was even before he became, you know, a big name actor. So right. um, no, I, I, I think that's a little too specific, even for, for me trying to trick you guys. Um, um, so no, that is not it. Um, I am very, I said this on last week's show or on last time we recorded, um, I have said this numerous times. Um, I am very interested, intrigued with actors in today's generation, actors we know, not guys Mm -hmm. from the 50s, um, that are also directing, getting into directing right now. My last uh, choice um, for Film Code was Robert De Niro and A Bronx Tale, and he also mm-hmm. directed it. I kept along the same lines. Um, mm-hmm. And this is an actor you are absolutely familiar with and a director you are absolutely familiar with, and that's John Krasinski. Um, so Krasinski. Zoot- Zootopia was, you were going down the, the right boat there. So um, John Krasinski has a massive role in The Office, one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. One of my, he's my favorite character in The Office. Um, obviously he directed a quiet place, mm-hmm. which has a ton of buzz. Um, but wanted to stick with this theme of actors that are directing right now, which is huge. And he directed a movie called the hollers, which is about a family. Uh, it's about a mother and his brother and his sister. So, uh, there's where your family comes into play. And obviously John Krasinski was on the office. So I already answered that. Um, it's got some na- names you would definitely know: Richard Jenkins, Anna Kendrick, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Josh Groban, of all people. Wow. Um, where I'm going with this though is Randall Park, who you know, very well known actor. Oh. Uh, he actually is in the office as well for a extremely small cameo, mm. extremely small. But I wasn't trying to cheat you with that since John Krasinski is the one I'm going for. He's in Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's in Aquaman. Um, so there is an actor in the DCEU and MCU, Randall Park, starring in so John, John Krasinski's movie. So you tricked me. So it was two different actors. So like that that's where the trick came in. Like I was expecting mm. one actor who had been in The Office and who had also been in the MCU and DCEU. That's why I went with Idris Elba. But it was two different actors. So you tricked me. All right. That was me. Play, play, play the, play the <laughs> sound back. And we'll, uh, we'll I'm, sure, I'm sure uh, you, you, you'll be wrong again. But anyway, so Nathan's cohort was, uh, the answer was the hollers. I got to add that to my list. That actually sounds interesting. Uh, <laughs> all right. So um, 
is it mine again or it is oh wow i am unprepared <laughs> you, sent, you sent one in the chat you know oh right that. i did send it in the chat do you have it up i will in a moment yeah all right we can i got go it. with that i got it do you want to stick to this one yes that's the one okay. i want to stick to all right phoenix your code word is red mm -hmm. your clues were it's a horror series mm -hmm. 2000 to 2010 mm -hmm. in canadian yeah <laughs> interesting and very vague very vague on purpose. very vague sir. <laughs> so this, let's let's give me some leeway here a little bit does horror okay. series mean it features someone involved with the horror series no horror series means that the movie that it is is a series got it it's a series of films it's like twilight no i'm just kidding if you if you consider twilight horror then no yeah. I, was, I was oh my goodness some people all right might. well we'll have some fun with that I am still in the lead for film code. Yeah. Uh, and I have an opportunity to, to gain some more ground here on Phoenix this week. Oh man, if he gets, he goes up two points, that would, oh man, we'd be, it'll take us another 18 weeks to catch up to, to Nathan. All right. So that has been film code guys. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Uh, Nathan, where can everybody find you, man? Yep. You can find me on letterbox at Nathan pig pig with two g's i have a lightning symbol next to my name let me know your follower of the show you know i want to interact with you guys who are listeners and you know get to know some of our listeners so please if you're listening to the show reach out to me get in touch with me i would love to meet you and and give you a personalized thank you for for being a listener so reach out to me on there you can also find the show over on twitter at film code pod please interact with us we throw out a ton of tweets asking you to rank certain movies, asking your opinions of recent movie news. Um, so tons of ways to get involved with us. Most specifically is over on Twitter. Finally, however you listen to this, if you could please give it a thumbs up, five stars, we would greatly appreciate it. That would help us reach new audiences. Even though we're on episode 23, we still got mm -hmm. a long ways to go to grow. So please go ahead and give us a, a good score. We would greatly appreciate it. And just thanks so much for listening. You know, we have a blast doing it. Absolutely. I agree with all of that. My name is Phoenix Cloudin. You guys can find me on Letterboxd under PA Cloudin or on Twitter at IMHO Reviews One. That's the number one. And like Nathan said, please follow us on Twitter at Film Code Pod. And we will see you guys next week. Hey.